0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. We've had some great suggestions for episodes from our listeners, and I feel bad because they are starting to back up on me. So tonight, we're doubling up. Two different unsolved murders out of Delaware County, each a little out of the ordinary. A llama rancher killed by someone who crawled into her second-story bedroom using a ladder. And a mother found dead in her bathtub by her two little girls returning home from school. So let's get these cases back out into the public eye and pray some vital piece of information shakes loose. First up, we're going to Troy Township. It was May fifth, two 2007, and there was a llama ranch here on Buttermilk Hill Road, with about 50 of the furry creatures roaming the pasture. The owner of the ranch was 60-year-old Eve Ashbaugh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tall and trim. She was well-known in the llama community, where she had a reputation for being somewhat eccentric. The farm was only five acres, and Eve thought she had outgrown it. She had plans to move her beloved animals to a larger farm in Mount Gilead, next door in Morrow County. Eve was the only human being living on the farm, but she had help. Every morning, her farmhand, Rick Pattengale, would arrive to begin his chores. On this day, he arrived around 8.30 a.m. and began his first task of feeding the llamas. Eve wasn't always up quite that early, so he didn't expect to see her right away. But after an hour or so, when she still hadn't come out of the house, he tried calling her. There was no answer. That wasn't like her. Pat and approached the house and saw something was wrong all right. There was a ladder reaching up to her bedroom window and he could see the screen had been split. Patengel let himself into the house. He was scared. He called Eve's girlfriend and told her, you have to stay on the phone with me while I'm walking through here. Then he called Eve's name while he walked up the stairs to the second floor. When he reached the doorway to the bedroom, he saw dresser drawers pulled from their tracks. He backed away and called 911. I can't find my boss, he told the dispatcher, and it looks like her bedroom has been ransacked. The Delaware County Sheriff's Office arrived and found what Pattengale hadn't been able to bring himself to venture farther in to see. Eve Ashbaugh was still in bed, covered in blood. She had been stabbed up to ten times in the upper torso. The attack was so sudden and so vicious It looked as if she didn't have the chance to defend herself. The crime scene was a mess. It took hours to process. There were newspapers, magazines, mail, and clothing cluttering the floor. Delaware County Chief Deputy Gil Borchers called it a housekeeping nightmare. But if this were a routine, random burglary, why was it so vicious? They didn't find any weapons, but investigators did collect fingerprints, DNA, and other evidence from the bedroom and sent it on to the state's Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Deputy Borchers said they weren't without suspects. You always look at people who are close to the victim, Borchers told reporters. He mentioned that earlier in the year, Eve had called the sheriff's office about a former farmhand. The farmhand believed he was owed some money and had started harassing her, though the harassment had never turned physical. Deputies found and interviewed that man, as well as Pattingale, the farmhand who had been doing the chores for the past year. They interviewed other friends and business acquaintances. Meanwhile, in Eve's absence, Pattingale returned to the farm, morning and night, to continue caring for the llamas until their fate could be decided. This is what Eve would want me to do, he told reporters. She was a dear friend. She'd do anything for me. She loved her llamas, he continued. That was her life. Patengale said he expected her friends in the llama community would find the animals new homes. And a couple of months later, the Humane Society of Delaware reported various llama owners had taken over their care, that a nonprofit horse rescue group had taken two horses Eve kept at her farm, and that they had also sheltered Eve's three cats. The case went cold. Five years later, Detective Rusty Yates said the initial theory was that a stranger broke into Eve's home by climbing up the ladder to her bedroom. But other theories formed. Yates wouldn't say whether he thought the murder was business-related, but did say the prevailing thought was that Eve knew her attacker and that the original investigators had likely already interviewed the killer. Yates said, I believe we have spoken to someone who does know something about this crime. Another theory was that the latter might not have been used at all. There were other ways, easier ways, of getting into the house. The latter may have simply been some kind of smokescreen to throw investigators off. Yates said there was DNA throughout the crime scene. It's been submitted and resubmitted to the BCI, apparently without success for now. Detectives are also hoping that time will make it easier for someone to come forward with new information. Our second story tonight takes place in Genoa Township, a bedroom community covering 22 square miles in the southern part of Delaware County, tucked between the city of Westerville and the village of Galena. And there, in 2001, lived the Gross family. Lisa and her husband Steve were both raised in nearby Westerville. Lisa went to Westerville North High School Steve to Westerville South. She got a degree at Otterbein College. Steve studied geology at Ohio State. They married in 1984 and now were raising two daughters, 11-year-old Melissa and 7-year-old Alexa. Lisa and Steve were both 39 years old and had celebrated 17 years of marriage. They were doing very well. Four years earlier, they had moved from Westerville into a dream home that they had built in Genoa. It was a light yellow two story house on Damson Place in the Orchard Lakes subdivision, with middle to upper middle class homes and a bright blue and white sign at the entrance announcing it was a neighborhood crime watch community. But in 2001, crime snuck in. It was May 21. A Monday and a typical spring day marked by a steady rain. Steve had gone to work in Columbus. The girls had gone to school at Hanby Elementary. Lisa had taken a day off. She co-owned, with her brother, an electrical contracting company that had been founded by their late father. It was called Electrotenna in Westerville. But this day, Lisa had more wife-and-mother-type duties on her mind. She went shopping. She took her white Dodge Caravan to Myers and then Kroger's at the Northgate Shopping Center. It was a five-minute drive from her home. Then she returned to Damson Place. Melissa and Alexa got home from school around 3.45 that afternoon, and it was immediately evident something was wrong. The first floor of the home was flooded with water still pouring out of an upstairs bathroom. The girls ventured upstairs to investigate. Melissa went inside the bathroom and found her mother in the bathtub, submerged beneath the water flowing from the faucet. Lisa Ann Gross was covered with shredded paper which littered the bathroom, paper that had been taken from her home office. The coroner will learn she died from a single puncture wound to the neck, Probably around 1 p.m. that afternoon. Police have never revealed what they thought the weapon was. Investigators with the Genoa Township Police Department found no sign of a forced entry. There was no sign of robbery. She was fully clothed with no evidence of sexual assault. To this day, nobody has come up with a reasonable motive for her murder but it seemed likely Lisa knew her assailant, detectives said, though added it could have been a fleeting acquaintance. They didn't know how else to explain the killer's presence in a house that had not been broken into, since Lisa was security conscious and not one to leave doors unlocked. Police collected DNA samples from more than a 100 people who willingly gave them, They needed to know who had been in that house, and the Gross family was immensely popular, with lots of friends and family. They conducted many interviews and polygraph tests, and at one point even sent a dive team into Orchard Lakes, maybe looking for a murder weapon, though they never made clear exactly what they sought. And even the FBI assisted by providing a personality profile of the killer. Three months after the murder, police got a possible break. One resident, while giving his DNA, mentioned he'd seen a minivan he didn't know, parked on Damson Place, across from the gross home, about noon the day Lisa Ann was killed. It was a mid-1990s white Chevrolet Astro with teal-blue stripes, lightly tinted windows, chrome rims, and curtains in the back window. A man in his late 20s or early 30s had been sitting in the van. He was white and had brown hair, but the man really could give no other description. Police were frustrated. They hadn't known that three months earlier. By now, the trail had gone cold, and the leads had dried up. Christy Green, Lisa's friend and neighbor, Talked to the Columbus Dispatch a couple of years after the murder. She was hopeful back then that the killer would still be caught. I have faith that God will resolve this, Green said, but we will always have this big hole in our hearts that no one will be able to fill. However, it seemed as if some people in this bucolic neighborhood didn't want to be reminded of what had happened. It was the first homicide in Genoa Township in a decade. They weren't used to feeling unsafe. Steve Gross printed posters offering a $10,000 reward for information about his wife's murder, and he had to replace those posters 11 times. People kept taking them down. There were, of course, plenty of people who mourned with the Gross family and tried to comfort them. An anonymous donor dropped off a small white wooden cross draped with a short garland of red silk flowers. Steve Gross left it in the front lawn as a tribute to his wife. Whoever did this, I want them to see it every day they go by the house, Steve told a reporter. He and his daughters tried staying in the home. For a while, the girls took comfort being there in a normal routine and surrounded by some happier memories. They all went to counseling and remodeled the bathroom where the girls had discovered their mom. Lisa was my everything, Steve Gross said. She would brighten up the room. She was a magnificent woman and an excellent role model for our daughters. But the memories became too painful. A year later, the family moved to Westerville. A dispatch reporter caught up with them at their new home, where Lisa's photographs were still prominently displayed, Steve said, I just try to keep her in their lives. Lisa is a part of our everyday life. I just can't believe that somebody doesn't know something. A few years ago, Delaware County Sheriff Russ Martin assembled a team of investigators to review cases from all over Delaware County, There were about a dozen unsolved homicides at the time, and Lisa's case with the Genoa Township Police was among those treated to yet another review. Township Police Chief Robert Taylor was thankful for the cross-agency effort. He said, You have an investigator looking at the case for so many years that sometimes you get too close to the woods for the trees. Sheriff Martin acknowledged solving any cold case this old was a long shot. He said, the intent is not to create unrealistic expectations, but it is to let people know that in this county, that we're not going to let these cases die on the vine. If you have information that might help in the cases of Lisa Ann Gross or Eve Ashbaugh, please call the Delaware County Sheriff at 740-833-2830. That's it for our 10-minute mystery. We'll see you next Sunday for our next full episode. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings.